All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Infinite Boost podcast. Uh, this one is pretty, I'm not going to lie, this is an episode uh, for a couple reasons that I'm really excited about. First of all, this is the first one where I am actually recording. I've recorded video in the past because we've done it on stream. I've recorded video because I've wanted to put it on YouTube, but I'm trying something new where uh, my guests and I are actually like in a lobby and here we are like this is this is the video portion. I'm starting to record like an actual video podcast. And so here I am doing the video with my guest, Sleegy. And the funny thing about doing it with Sleegy is that I actually secretly recorded with Sleegy before, but I lost the video. So uh, he was kind enough to come back and do this with me again. So Sleegy, thank you so much for joining me here on the uh, Infinite Boost podcast. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here, and uh, it's absolutely no problem at all to do it again. The first one was so much fun. Running it back a second time is easy peasy. I know, right? I'm I'm very excited, and it'll be intrigued to see because I've I've always wanted to do this just talking to somebody so I can be fully uh, present. But I've also wanted to do something where we can get something like interesting for YouTube. So I thought let's let's just hop in a lobby and hit around the ball, or just sit around and and see what happens with it. So thank you for joining me on that little bit of an experiment as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, tell me a little bit about your Rocket League history. Uh, so Rocket League, I started playing it in early 2016 uh, back on on Xbox. It was essentially something where one of my friends was like, hey, do, uh, did you you want to play Rocket League? We picked it up and it's kind of neat. I was like, oh, is that that uh, is that 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 uh, that like soccer game that I saw? Because I had seen it on Steam before, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and they're like, yeah. So I got it and we played it. And I was like, oh, this is actually this is pretty fun. So me and my friends we played it casually for about uh, maybe a year and a half, two years, uh, and then two years in, when it was about 2018, I think is when the uh, the land the this is Rocket League land happened. And that was, I was, I was kind of half watching the whole season. Uh, Cause I, I was still in the esports, but I was primarily a, a Counter-Strike esports fan. Uh, but I was watching the, the RLCS a little bit just cause I thought it was uh, interesting to see how much better the pros were than me. Cause I was gold back then. Uh, but I do remember watching the, that grand finals and that like watching that this is Rocket League moment live and being like, whoa, whoa, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life that what I don't even under I can't comprehend what just happened. That is like that's like a movie material right there, borderline. And so like that moment uh, really kind of increased my my desire to play the game and try and get better. So me and my friends started playing it a lot, lot more and. Uh, as I started playing more over the next couple of months, I was like, man, I really want to try and like really get better because I feel like I'm stuck in platinum right now. And so I was just on Reddit one day and I saw this sort of this Reddit thread for a place called Minor League Esports, which is like a it's like a community league where they have franchises and different stuff. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And I joined that and met a couple of really cool people and started to get better. But then I, I also saw that they had a production and People were like, oh, hey, you got a pretty decent voice. You should try and casting. I'm like, I don't really know how to, how, how I would even ask. They're like, well, just uh, ask this hunted guy. And I was like, okay. 
So I did that. And Honey was like, yeah, sure, you can join the production team because it was all volunteers anyways. So I, I started doing that with casting while still like I I would uh, I worked at the, the local school district back then. And my job was just going to the different schools to fix issues. And so what I would do is I would just really try and knock out any of the issues I had in the morning. And then I would just drive home with my laptop next to me, seeing if any tickets came in. But I would just sit there and play Rocket League pretty much all day. So, like, I was still grinding it out a lot. And I started to cast more. And then after a couple of months of casting, and I was, I was doing it, like, five, six nights a week, uh, I started to get a little bit more uh, traction on it. And then ever since then, I, I, it is just essentially like casting Rocket League and uh, more recently casting in general and just production in general has become my focus. But it all really stems from me just sort of half-heartedly half watching league play and then really watching the LAN and being just enthralled by that that finals that was just one of the most incredible things i'd ever seen in any esport or sport really ever so what do you what do you do like are you in esports full-time now yes so uh, as of november of last year uh november 2020 i am in esports full-time so whether it's casting or uh, back-end production work, which lately uh, uh, has uh, been the bulk of my my revenue, interestingly enough, like doing observing or technical directing or broadcasting or producing, whatever it might be. It's just like if, if it involves a production, unless it's something like art, because I'm terrible at art, like I've pretty much done it and or know how to do it. And uh, it, that's just that's just essentially what I do. So I'll I'll have events lined up. I'll show up at that time, do it, uh, hopefully have the 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 payment come through within at least 60 days because sometimes <laughs> esports be net 180. But yeah, I, I am full-time into it. That's awesome. And are, are you generating all of that on your own or have you been working with a company? Like, I, I feel like you might have started your own thing, right? Yeah, so I, it's mainly been... Uh, working on my uh, my own i don't i don't want to say like i haven't had help because there's definitely oh, a of lot course. of people who uh, have been ultra massively important uh, along the way uh but it, it's i haven't like worked with a talent agency or um like i'm not hired on at any specific company it's all just sort of freelance work i do have uh i do have one company called videon studios that i co-founded with simple aob who is uh, Bacchusmon developer and also the creator of the the SOS software, which if uh, anyone doesn't know is like if you ever have watched Rocket League and you see the the sort of custom overlays that uh, like instead of having the in-game score bug, it's the the ones where you, it's sort of designed. He he was the leading drive behind the creation of the plugin that allows that to even be a thing. So. Me and him have sort of formed together and we've created Videon Studios, which is essentially like if you need a broadcast run for like or any part of a broadcast run, uh, then we can handle all of the aspects of it. We've got a pretty decent team of people that we can pull from that are just sort of working in the industry as a whole, just a bunch of different freelancers of casters, broadcasters, like that sort of thing. And if you have an event and you want something done, we we try and do it. And then outside of that, I just... You know, I'll reach out to other organizations or like other people I know and be like, hey, you, you need anything for this broadcast or that broadcast and just try and get on where I can. Because the, 
The only downside about contract work is it is not consistent income. So right. you've always got to be chasing things down. That's awesome, though. Congratulations. That's yeah, very thanks. exciting. That's really cool. All right. Well, so you've been playing Rocket League at least consistently and really going since 2018. So like where where are you now in terms of rank, skill, like where do things stand for you right now? So right now uh, I'm sitting at about high champ three. I sort of go back and forth between uh, champ three, div three and champ three, div four. Um I, I hit GC once back in season 12, and that was sort of at the apex of when I was playing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, as I've gotten more into esports as a like as a as a job, um, I found that I play Rocket League uh, less. Like I still play it a lot, but I, I don't have the drive to sort of try and be the best that I possibly can be. Like I am I am content with uh, my champ threeness. Because I feel like I am at a high enough skill level where I can, like, do fun things and like have a a good time at the game and do things that are interesting and new without having to like also just completely sweat every time I go into a game. So, uh, but yeah, right around there. Okay, and so as you were coming up the ranks, how do you feel like you found your most improvement? You said you were stuck in plat, so like. Was it free play? Or was it training packs? How did how did you get to where you are now? Uh, the number one thing that helped to me uh, was having like someone who was higher ranked than me, uh, sort of like lead me along, and that was that was where like minor league esports came in because I, I got onto a team and they're sort of they're sort of sectioned off based on skill, so that way it's not like a grand champ playing against a a, a diamond or something like wouldn't be fun for anyone, but. Uh, Back when I was plat, I would play with this uh, with my, this friend I had made who was champ two at the time, and so I would just play casual lobbies with him. And he, would, I, I would, I asked him, I was like, "Can you just tell me everything I'm doing wrong?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And so we would play, and he would just be like, "In that situation, you want to do this, and here's why. And that situation, you want to do this, and here's why." Um, and then we would look at replays after the fact, and he would ask me like, "What was what was your thought process in like this situation?" Not explaining, he's like, "Well, this this is." what you probably should have done. Um, and here's some things you can do to try and remember that when this situation comes up again in the future. And it was that like having that sort of directed instruction um, from someone who was able to kind of identify the, the issues I was having and figure out like what I needed to work on that helped a lot. And then it was just free play training packs and just playing to try and cement those ideas and those mm -hmm. different things that he was showing me into my mind where I didn't have to think about them anymore. It just became second nature. So as he was telling you, do you remember some of those specific things that like really stuck out to you or that he said to you when you were plat that really helped to kind of take you to the next level? What were some of the main things that you heard consistently? I, one of the biggest things was just my my thought process and how I was rotating, um, especially in twos, because I, I, I by and large play twos over threes just because, um, I don't know, I think the pacing of twos is just a little more fun. Uh, but the biggest thing was just how I was rotating because I was miscalculating how close I was to the ball versus the other team. Um, mm. I was My eyes were watching the ball more than they were looking around the field. Yeah. Uh, which can kind of give you tunnel vision and you're not really aware of where everything is. Um, and then 
Also, not being aware of where my teammate was, I would cut in sometimes and cut him off on when he potentially had a better line. Um, so like a lot of those things he would point out and be like, be like, when you're in this situation on the field and like I'm moving it down the right side and you're, uh, I'm potentially going to center it, you want to sit just a little bit past the midway line into their half. You don't want to come too far up because if they get a good challenge, you're able to get back quicker. And if I do get it off, you have time to try and get up to the ball without having to just absolutely sprint for it and use all of your boost and everything to try and get it. You want the, the biggest thing that he said to me, and it, it has been consistently true across every rank is you have more time than you think you do. That's, that's extremely well put. I would say, um, even in, I've been thinking about that a lot in, like right now I'm in high champ two, like I'm right on the cusp of champ three, like right around 1300. I think I'm 1309 right now. And in some of my games, just so I calm down and I play threes primarily. So I have even more time than you, uh, in a twos lobby. Uh, like I will just sit in net and just watch other people hit around the ball because not only do you have more time than you think you do, one thing that I've found is that the majority of touches that people get, at least in my lab lobbies don't matter. Like they're very insignificant. Uh, you know, it's, it's very, it takes a lot of time for there to actually be a threat on the net before yeah. like something is actually going to happen. So people go for touches or try and hit the ball in situations where they don't necessarily need to. Yeah, I, that that happens a lot. And it's actually even still to this day is a big problem for me, um, because since I since I like work so much with productions, especially for like high level play, I get used to watching how high level players sort of act and how they how they approach things. And the issue with that is when I go into game, I will I will be sometimes far too hesitant because I'll see someone go up for something and I'll be like, oh, he's he can like. He can like musty that off the backboard and then double touch me. And <laughs> even though that's not really a remote possibility, I, I'll, I'll just assume that someone is going to do this really crazy nutty play and it'll make me hesitate. And then they'll just they'll just tap it in I'm like oh, I could have challenged that. And it's this it's this big problem because I have like an issue with uh, I I overestimate my uh, my opponents. That's that's I constantly underestimate underestimate my opponents which i think is definitely to my disadvantage and one thing that i've noticed actually this is one thing that i've noticed in my own games and i've been trying to focus on is i've been thinking a lot about possession both creating possession and trying to stop possession for the other team and so one thing that i've been paying attention to is how i will try and challenge a little too early where opponents still have very clear possession of the ball instead of waiting until that possession is almost over. So if somebody like is air dribbling the ball, instead of trying to challenge the air dribble immediately where they're still very much in control of the ball, I'll wait towards the end of the air dribble or once it's clear that they've lost control of the ball. And it just makes the challenge a lot more easy because it's a lot easier to assume where it's going yeah i think my thing is like when it comes to like someone who's in control of the ball 
my my main goal is to just get there before they have control. So like if I see someone who is in a position to potentially start to dribble or air dribble or just do some sort of controlled touch, I, I am I am trying my hardest to get on top of them as soon as possible to either take the ball off them or just make them make a play right then. Yeah. Um, instead of like giving them the time to think about it, because essentially I'm just like you, you have to make the play right now. If you do it, then cool. You, you're you, you did a good shot, but you're you're not going to have time to think about this. You have to you, you've got to do something right this second because I'm on you. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that because and of course, like both circumstances exist where it is better to immediately attack somebody. And then there are also times in which it's better to like make someone else make a decision. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm thinking about like, so for instance, if you're in a one V one in a two V two game, like in they're bringing down the ball, uh, and it, it clearly depends on the situation, but sometimes it's better to just kind of be there and not make an exact decision because they might be anticipating you making that decision and then you're just beat. Whereas yeah. if you just stay in the way, you're giving your teammate time to rotate back and be ready to save a shot or to make a challenge that you can't make. Um, so it's, it's really interesting how like my, my priority most of the time right now on defense is just getting in the way um, and like, I guess delaying things until it's a serious threat on my net. And your first go-to is like, I want to pressure people and make them make a decision so that they have to give up the ball, which is also very important. My, my main thing uh, when I'm trying to play that I've noticed that like, cause it's what I've noticed as well that like makes me that will like cause me to lose is I just try and make the, I just try and make the people on the other team uncomfortable. Right. I, I don't want them to ever feel a sense of like, uh, of like calm. I like, if you can keep pressure and really like make it where they're just having to be frantically all over the place because you keep challenging them then you start to gain control even when they have the ball because they're worried about, you know, is he going to challenge me right now? Are they going to bump me? Are they going to demo me? Like, what's going to happen? And you, it, it starts to be the sort of the mind game because, you know, always challenging them doesn't mean I'm always, like, just full sin towards them. I try and vary my speed from, like, really quick attacks to slowing down a little bit to keep mm -hmm. them guessing on what I'm going to do on each given play. But it's all with the intent of just making them feel as uncomfortable as as i can so that they don't feel like they can go for um like different things that they might otherwise if they feel like they've just got complete con ball control for most of the match and you say that makes you lose well it makes me lose when i feel uncomfortable like when if another team oh. is able to make me sort of if they're able to harry me and essentially make me where I feel rushed, I make all sorts of mistakes. That's, I see. That's when I really start to mess up is when the other team makes me feel uncomfortable because it, I, I start to feel forced to try and artificially increase my speed by just driving faster, longer. And mm. that is when you start to really see errors be made. I see. Okay. What would you say is like the biggest weakness in your game right now? Like what, besides... Uh, you know, this discomfort level, I guess, what are the mistakes that come up when you do get uncomfortable? 
or when you lose games? Um, it, it's ta- it, it's it's a it's a combination of taking it too long to make a decision based on what's happening with the play. So like I'll make a decision uh, after my opponent has already made the next decision. Um, and so I'll be like mm. a, a kind of a step behind because I yeah. don't want to make the incorrect play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a combination of that. And I, I still have this issue like where I'm kind of inconsistent with my, not with my mechanics, but like it, it's the, it's the open net syndrome where like, if I have to make a really tight shot from like an awkward angle, I normally hit those pretty fine. But like, if I just get possession of the ball and I have to hit it in a direction, there's just something in my brain that overthinks it. And I will, I will like bean a, a lot of shots just sort of wide in situations where I, I really should be, be scoring more consistently. I think that's honestly one thing that people take for granted in this game is just the ability to hit like very specific angles uh, on a consistent basis, especially when the ball is on the move. Like so many people will say, I should be able to hit this. And yeah, in a perfect world, like we should all be able to hit all shots at angles. And like, this is, there's a reason that pool is a difficult game. Like at the end of the day, right? Angles and uh, calculating things is not easy. It's not as simple as just hitting the ball. So I think once I spent some time really focusing on in free play and in training packs, hitting the ball at different angles and really understanding what it takes to be successful with that. I started seeing things turn around in the ball going in, in the net more. So do you feel like, I guess I, I can ask you this is, is it something where it's just like you quote unquote, feel like you should be able to do it quote unquote, or like you just haven't take the time. So you're not as good at it as, maybe you think you are or you think you should be it's 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 situations where it's like i i know that i should be able to hit that shot because i've i've hit the shot a a million times before and it's not a it like it's not a situation where i would consider it a a difficult shot so it'll be like a ball is rolling at midfield after like a double commit and i'll come through and i'll just i'll just hit the ball wrong i'll i'll just like I, either because I'm not thinking about it because I, I think it, it's an easy take or I'm just I just make a slight miscalculation and I hit the ball like I, I don't do my second flip at the correct time. But it'll be those sort of like not gimmies where it's right in front of the net, but still like there's not a whole lot of opposition and I'll just make a mistake on how I hit it uh, versus mm-hmm. when I am like if I'm picking up the ball out of the corner and like trying to hit it underneath a defender into the net, for some reason I can be much more just consistent with hitting those. And it's odd to me. I think there's something to be said about like the consistency of hitting, hitting the ball. Right. And one thing that I've been noticing as I've been trying to learn more complex uh, mechanics and do a little bit more with the ball in terms of like keeping possession the more minute of a game Rocket League becomes. Like you say, you're hitting it wrong, which at the end of the day, you are hitting it wrong. But at the same time, like those touches are so like finesse oriented that they're not as easy as just 
driving really fast at the ball and and slamming it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I, I think that that is something that I've taken for granted for many years of Rocket League that I'm just now coming to terms with. Like the ball, though I've looked at it as a circle this entire time, instead of just looking at it as a sphere, now I'm looking at it as something where like every little degree on that sphere will create a different angle that the ball hits off my car from. And so if I really want to get a specific kind of touch, that's where I have to be on the ball. And for, you know, a good four and a half, five years, I didn't think about that. So that has been a really big change for me. And, you know, the better you want to be at Rocket League, the faster you have to be able to do that on a consistent basis. So it's certainly one thing to be able to be here in a lobby and, you know, perfectly take the time to set up a touch. But when you're in the heat of a moment and you only have half a second, it's not only like, can I hit this shot, but do I have enough time to hit the shot that I want to hit? Yeah. So and, if, and I will say that that like that that change where it's like you only have like a moment to make that decision and execute on it perfectly that does play a huge factor in it. For sure. So as a twos player, if you if you could think back really quickly on um, like the goals that you give up in your games, like in in most situations. When do you see goals getting scored against you? Or what what is leading up to goals getting scored against you? Um it it is a com it is two things primarily that I've noticed. It's either um a player just gets a really good like solo play off, like they'll they'll just get a really nice pickup to a double tap double tap off the backboard, or they'll just get a nice flick, or they'll cut me as I'm coming in to challenge them. Just like really good mechanical plays that I don't read uh, exactly, and so they mm. they punish me for it. It'll either be that, or I will I will overcommit on a challenge, or I will be a bit too far upfield, and they will get away on a quick counterattack, and I'm not able to get back in time to play it. And mm. it's sort of like those two. Like obviously, there will be a lot of different factors of me getting scored on, but those two are the ones that I end up noticing most that I either just don't read exactly what my opponent is doing in time or at all. And they just get a really nice shot or uh, I will be a bit too aggressive downfield and then they'll just get a counter and there won't be anyone back because I pushed too far forward uh, to be able to handle it defensively. Yeah, we have we have played together a few times because we both hang out in mm-hmm. with Nito and, and Kev from time to time. My experience of you overall is that you can be a, a pretty aggressive player. Yeah. So and I like would... that that comes back as well with like when I play my like and it's not even like I actively think about it. It's just my play style is again to try and make people uncomfortable so yep. that they make mistakes. And right. part of the, doing that is just being in their face. Mm-hmm. And I could I could certainly see where that would come back to bite you. Yeah. So do you think that there's a way that you could modify your play style to honor that aggressiveness? Because I think if there's one thing that is true about rocket league. Like you have to find a play style that is comfortable for you. Like if you try and create a play style for yourself, that is uncomfortable. Like not only will you be uncomfortable and probably like less optimal, like 
it's less optimal for you and you're uncomfortable on top of it, mm -hmm. I guess is the cleanest way that I can say that. So like how, how do you feel like you could modify the way that you play so that you can keep that aggressiveness and wanting to make people uncomfortable and at the same time, maybe not put yourself in those overly aggressive situations where you're putting your teammate in poor situations. I think the probably the best thing I could do to fix that is instead of like instead of making them uncomfortable by getting in their face, I could uh, definitely work a lot more on making them uncomfortable by locking down areas. So like instead of having to be right up on them trying to challenge the ball, just being in positions where I could challenge if I wanted to, but I'm mm. also just sitting there and making them think about where they want to play it and, you know, maybe slowing it down just a little bit and seeing it where they're going to commit to going and then challenging them um, instead of just, you know, I'm in your face, hit the ball. Yeah. <laughs> just of, instead of, of going guns a blazing. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And I think, I think, Honestly, like you saying that one thing that I've been thinking a lot about in my own games, and again, I primarily play threes, but just like driving at the ball and then making them hit it and then allowing my teammate to kind of clean up what comes next, you know, like making them make a decision. And obviously I'm not like, it's not necessarily a direct, a direct analysis of your gameplay, but like, instead of fully committing and being like, like you said, being up in their face, but like driving at the ball, making them do something and then just giving your teammate a better opportunity to challenge instead of just like full sending at the ball and them still staying in possession of the ball. Like, I guess the best way I can say it is like making them make the decision instead of making the decision for them. Yeah, forcing them to make a decision. Exactly. Like whatever that decision ends up being, it's just like you, you've got to you've got to decide what you're doing right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I've thought about this plenty, but I've never just like done it outside of a game where there's a huge difference in between, uh, you know, making them quote unquote make a decision by challenging them, which might not be productive because they could be ready for your quote-unquote challenge and just flick the ball over you or jump over you and then all of a sudden they still have possession and you're just out of the play like you've really done nothing whereas if you're making them make a decision in terms of like flicking the ball or passing away the ball you're creating a scenario in which that specific player has to give up possession in some way so I guess trying to create a situation in which you make them give up the ball, you're not just challenging to challenge, but you're creating a scenario in which they no longer have direct control of the ball. Yeah. What a save. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, I was, I was trying to see if I could set it up to see if I could just slap it into you. <laughs> and see, now you need to watch the video because you that that's that's the benefit that the video watchers are getting now yeah that has never existed before it's it's a whole new realm of content right it really it really is uh i've been thinking of a lot of different things uh for content but this isn't me talking about content so here's here's 
the next question I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. Do you feel like Rocket League is an offensive game or a defensive game? I think it is. I, I would have to say I think it's an offensive game because I think even when you're on defense, a lot of the stuff that you're doing is offensive in nature. Um, like you, you can't be passive because when you're passive, you're allowing the other side to think about what they're doing and that it, it becomes especially once you start getting to a really high level it becomes impossible to stop players if you give them the time to do what they're trying to do mm -hmm. so like even though defense is a huge huge part of the game if i had to like say it's offensive or defenses i have to go with offensive just because pretty much everything you're doing is offensive in nature whether it be you have the ball and you're trying to score you have uh, your teammate has the ball and you're setting up the pass or the other team has the ball and you need to get there to prevent them from making a play. It's all in the sort of vein of you need to get downfield and you need to prevent them from getting downfield. So the one thing that's really interesting to me and what you said uh, was kind of what you led with in that you think it's offensive because you can't be passive in rocket league, mm -hmm. which makes me feel like you equate, uh, being defensive to being passive. Um, to an extent, I think it depends on like how you're being defensive. So obviously like rotating back is a defensive move, but I don't think that it's passive because you're actively positioning yourself to be in a spot to prevent them from scoring. Um, like when I, when I think passive, I think of like, you know, hesitating or, you know, sitting back and not challenging and letting them like not challenging quickly enough and letting them get possession and get control. Like those are the sort of things that I think of when you, when I, when I say passive. So like when I'm saying, I, I think offensive on defense isn't offense is what you're doing on defense essentially is like, even though you are rotating back, you're, you're being offensive in the fact of like you are being proactive about how you are positioning mm -hmm. and how you are setting up to prevent them from scoring mm -hmm. like yeah, you're I, doing all of that with intent right i think the thing for me like how i look at rocket league right now and that might just be because of you know how i looked at how i look at winning games and like what it takes to win games sometimes in rocket league which is you know, kind of covering the bases because you don't know what kind of teammates you're going to get. And what I tell people when they're like, I want to rank up or I want to get better. Like, I feel like it is a very common symptom for people to be over aggressive in Rocket League. So I, I promote being a little bit more, I guess you could say passive or a little bit more reserved. Uh, all that to say, like, I feel like my philosophy towards Rocket League right now is a much more defensive one because it only takes one goal to win a game, right? At the end of the day, how do you win a game of Rocket League? Like, you get scored on less than they score on you. Hmm. So when I look at it that way, I it then becomes a more defensive game than an offensive game so you're a big hockey guy right um i i don't watch it a super lot but i do like when i do watch it i do enjoy watching hockey yeah like do you think hockey is an offensive or a defensive game 
I would also probably say that, at least from my perspective of it, that hockey is an offensive game. Yeah. Because it's, again, it's just like you you are, like, what they're doing is essentially just trying to set themselves up in the best way possible to score. Whether that be setting themselves up to intercept when the other team has possession or setting themselves up when they have possession is all uh, in the effort to get puck downfield right. or down rink. I suppose at the end of the day, the best way to put it is, for me, is that you want to, it's a productive possession game. And in turn, like the lower in the ranks you go, the poorer people are at keeping, maintaining, or being productive with possession of the ball. So really, the best way to win is to get scored on less. Mm -hmm. Because and people aren't necessarily good at getting the ball on their side of the field and productively getting it to the other side of the field to either score themselves or set up a teammate to score. Yeah. And I think part of my mindset on that as well is like, I I'm, I'm also like really interested in history and like more specifically, like I've always been really, really interested in like uh, different conflicts and like reading about the different strategies and tactics that were used. Um, and like throughout my, my research of it and like reading about it, I, I have come to realize that I I am a sort of proponent of the what's known as the tr strategic offensive principle of war. Um, a lot of people know it as like the the, the saying that the best defense is a good offense, mm -hmm. um, because that's that's pre that's predominantly what I've seen like historically work the best is like the best way to defend a territory is to be the aggressor and to be the first person to make a move because now you put your opponent on the back foot yeah uh, and that translates over into like other sort of uh quote-unquote conflicts because i mean if you think about a game of rocket league it's it is it's a conflict you have two sides you have uh, an, an an equal goal uh and you're working against the other team's goal to try and make your goal happen yeah no i i yeah there's def there's obviously like a a winner and a loser and i think at the end of the day you know like if you put an SSL into any lobby that isn't SSL or, you know, you put like us playing against gold players or plat players, you know, like we'll be able to do more with the ball and keep the ball away from those players. So really like a good offense, being able to keep control over the game is the ultimate way to win. And I suppose it just depends on how you want to keep that control. Whether it's just scoring goal after goal after goal or playing this giant game of keep away where you just don't let them have any opportunities at all. Which I suppose one could be looked at as more offensive and one is more defensive. Mm -hmm. But if you are playing like kind of the way that I look at the ball or look at the game where you're, I would almost say where I'm like waiting until not necessarily until the ball is on the goal line or coming towards the goal line, but at least like when it's coming towards the goal line, when they're putting a shot on goal, like I know where the ball is headed. Right. So I want to be right there. Like I'm going to be at the goal line ready to make the save 
and I feel like people that I play against aren't good enough to put shots on goal on a consistent basis that I can't save. So like, that's the way that I look at my games right now. And I mean, I'm probably close to the highest MMR that I've ever been at. So it's gotten me this far. Uh, And I know that like, if I want to continue moving up, I get to be better at keeping possession of the ball so that whether I get it like in my box and then I want to take it to the wall for an air dribble or I want to start dribbling on the ground and then get a flick and beat a couple of people. Like I get to be better at keeping possession of the ball away from my opponents so that I, I can score more goals or set up my teammates to score more goals. So it's almost like I am not confident in my ability to score goals. So I'm going to make sure that they score as few goals as possible. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I guess that's how I would boil down Rocket League for me right now. You know, if I had the mechanics of any pro player, then yeah, if I got the ball, I'd be like, I'm going to go score the ball right now. Like <laughs> when Justin gets the ball, you know, he's thinking I'm going to do these three things and score the ball. Or at least yeah. like when he takes a possession, right? Like any pro player, like if you watch Forky stream or if you watch Justin stream or anybody and they're playing just like in a in a competitive lobby, more often than not, it's like watching Forky play 1v1s. He'll mess around. He'll get down in a game two to five. There's a minute left. And he's like, okay, it's time to score goals. And then he will literally just score two goals in 15 seconds because he's just that good with the ball, right? I'm not that good with the ball. I can't score on demand like that. So instead, I have to think, okay, my job is to do everything that I can to make sure that this team doesn't score so that that one goal that they accidentally own gold on their own net, but we got the lead, that we preserve that as much as possible, which leads me to, I wouldn't say play passive because I feel like I'm being very actively engaged in the game, Mm -hmm. making sure that I'm you know, protect, like it's, it's Tom's last stand every single match, making sure that I am, uh, there when I need to be to save the ball. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's, uh, it's just sort of, uh, it's like, I guess I, I've always gone off the shootout method of just, if we score more goals, then like, if we just score a bunch of goals and even if they score, it doesn't matter. Right. Whereas you are just like, if we could score one goal, but then make it where they don't score any, we'll win. Yeah. And at the same time, in Champ 2 and in Champ 3 and even in SSL, like you hear about people talk about, like people still make mistakes. So it's, I don't want to get scored on and I want to be in the right position to take advantage of their mistakes or take advantage of them being giving me possession of the ball. Like I want to be able to take advantage of those, but then not overextend myself or maybe go for a shot that is like 64, even if something is like 60% in my favor. Like I'd rather just like rotate back or be a little bit more conservative on those uh, to ensure that I'm in a better position to, uh, score or not be scored on than actually be scored on. Whereas you're just like, 
shove it down their throat, shove it down their throat. Let's score a ton of goals because even if we give a few up along the way, we'll have eight. Even if they score four, we still win. And neither of them is wrong. Yeah, it's just, a, it, I think it, it just comes down to how you're wanting to play, right? 100%. And how you look at it. At the end of the day, it's just like how you look at it. And just like you say, the art of war that the, like, the best defense is a good offense. Um, I think it's just mentality. And I think that I have a more conservative mentality in other aspects of my life. So, um, and I think it just comes from like, that's my experience of what it takes to win because there aren't necessarily a lot of consistent goal scorers in our rank, but you know, there's always those lobbies that you get where like you guys are like you and I solo queue a lot. I don't know about like how you play rocket league when you play rocket league. Now, if you mostly queue with other people or you're mostly just like private lobbies or whatever it is, but like there's those one out of 20 games where you just click with your solo queue teammates and you're passing and you're rotating well. And then the other team is just like all over each other. They're not getting good touches and you just score three goals in the first minute and a half. And when that happens, you're just like, okay, I just want to take it to him as hard as I can and like just keep laying it on because then you get done with that game in like two minutes and you're on to the next one. Yeah. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode. It's your host Tom here and I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the sponsor of this episode. You guys, the listeners. The podcast is free and it will always be free. And at the same time, any support that you're willing to give back for the time that I put into giving this podcast and creating this podcast is greatly appreciated. And it gets me that much closer to being able to create things like this on a more consistent basis. If supporting the show beyond listening to the show is something that you're open to, please check out my Patreon page in the show notes. One thing that I have done and am going to continue to do is release a small 12-minute weekly podcast called A Small Boost, which is available only to my Patreon members. If supporting the show financially is not something you're able to do, I completely understand. I truly appreciate you listening on a consistent basis. And if you're enjoying the show and you feel like you have an idea of how it could be better or more valuable to you, please let me know. I'm always open to feedback and hearing new ideas. So again, thank you so much for listening. Check out the Patreon page if you want to. On with the show. I mean, what what would you say is the outcome of most of your games? Like, are they high scoring or like, do you have low scoring? Like, what do you, what do the outcome of your games look like? Um, it, it, it's really back and forth. Like, even though it, I, I'm high, I'm high press uh, a lot. And like, it, it is that high aggression. Um, it, it's still the other team, like they're not bad. Right. Um, cause like we're all at the, we're, we're playing at the, the same skill rank. Like I'm playing against other chant three. So like, um, they are, they are adapting and doing different things. So, uh, it, it it's a toss up. If the, if, if the, if my team is just better than the other team, just kind of in general, then the strategy really works well. And it can be like five, six to one, uh, or something like that. 
Uh, but if the other team is able to adjust well, it, it'll be a little low scoring, but it still works sort of in the way of like, since I'm being aggressive, they just have less opportunities to score. Yeah. Because uh, what I notice a lot of the times for teams that adjust is when they start to adjust, they will adjust by sitting farther back, which um, which means that like it, it's a little bit more difficult for me to get in their face. But it also means that it takes them longer to get downfield and gives us more time to rotate. So it's sort of a it's a trade off of like, yeah, well, you can sit farther back and that will definitely counter me to an extent. But now you're farther away from the big giant rectangle that you're trying to put that ball into. Right. That's really interesting. Uh, so to that to that point, or another thing that I'm thinking about right now is, like, would you say that you are a player that adapts to your teammates, or do you go into a game every single time and and play your game? Um, it, it is a it is a little bit of both. That's I'd say it's sixty forty of I sixty percent adapt to my teammates, forty percent still play my game. Um. Like obviously, oops. obviously, <laughs> that was that was a complete reflex too of just bumping into you and being yeah. like, "Oh, sorry." Like I, it's like it's like a natural instinct for me. That's funny. <laughs> um, but it, it's like I if I notice that like my teammate is really ball chasey, for instance, then I will just sort of shift into being a more support role. Like I will I will shift into making sure I'm covering up the spaces that he's leaving so that he can be on the ball. Um, or if I notice that my teammate is sitting back, then I'll a lot, then I'll double down on my strategy and just really try and start ensuring that we're at least challenging where we need to challenge. Um, but like, I still keep that mentality of like, I, I want there to be challenges on the ball. I don't want the other team to have possession. And I, I essentially want to set like if i see a setup i want to execute on it i want to like i want to try and score if i see a really good opportunity for a goal for myself Mm -hmm. yeah because i feel like and this might be a generalization or like stereotyping but i feel like more aggressive players are also tend to like continually play their play style like a more defensive player will be a little bit more aware of what's going on and just be like a little more aware of the situation where in my experience, like overly aggressive players will just continue to be overly aggressive. Yeah. I think I would agree with that. So like Um, when you get like two overly aggressive players, like you'll have cutting rotations and those, those cuts get even tighter because you're like, two aggressive players might be trying to cut each other, which is like a cutting a cut is just like even worse. Yeah. Uh, And I will say that when I notice that, especially if I'm solo queuing, I will try and be the one that like backs off uh, because I know that like, if we get into a a sort of a pissing battle about who's going to be the one that's hyper aggressive, it's just going to end poorly for like, just both of us right we're gonna end, we're gonna end up doing exactly what you said we're gonna we're gonna be cutting each other off where we're not gonna be getting solid possession of the ball we're gonna be over committing too far up the field and when you play like that like it can be effective you you can definitely win games with two hyper aggressive players uh but your margin of error becomes none like as soon as you make a mistake you have a gaping wide hole that the other team can take advantage of yeah for sure and I think 
But if somehow two people like that can find a way to make it work, you can also just completely ruin somebody's day. Oh yeah, you could like essentially like when you when you play in that specific style, you have to essentially play perfect. Uh, or if not perfect, you have to just not make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're able to pull that off, then yeah, you're just going to like, there's not a whole lot another team can do unless they are able to match that energy. Um, but it, it's that risk reward, right? Cause like, if you do make a mistake, uh, you are, it's, it's like, it's like in, in soccer, uh, for instance, um, like when it's like maybe near the end of the game and they're going for a corner in the 90th minute, they'll send the keeper up to be an additional person inside of the box to try and like head it into goal. And it's like that sort of risk reward of like, well, the reward is we have one extra person here who, and keepers generally being very tall uh, is going to have a good opportunity to get a touch on the ball with the downside being, if he doesn't touch it, then we don't have a keeper back and he's got to run right. all the way down yeah. the field real quick. And we got to hope that there's not a counterattack that breaks out because otherwise we can't do anything about it. Or pulling the goalie in hockey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when you when you see like uh, the goaltender move up in hockey and he's just now another player. It's like, well, I mean, this either works or it doesn't. It, yeah. It's like onside kicks in uh, in football. It's like it's one of the or like going for two point instead of kicking the extra point. It's mm-hmm. like it's a high risk, high reward type of situation. Yes. Where if you pull it off, you're a genius. If you don't, everyone's mad at you. Right. It, yeah. Exactly. And I think the th- I'd be curious to know, like, I would love to see a statistic for aggressive players to see, like, the, um, and I, I think there's also some, like, not emotional intelligence, but just, like, game intelligence like there's a there's a way to be aggressive and consistently successful mm-hmm. or like do it like in a beneficial nature on a consistent basis and then there's just aggression for quote unquote like aggression's sake that doesn't necessarily benefit the team on a consistent basis yeah i i think i could agree with that and i think like i think that's where i'm at right now where and I, I know that this is going to change like as my rank continues to get higher in that like I want to challenge when a challenge is appropriate, be aggressive when aggression is called for. But like if somebody has the ball, I don't necessarily just want to drive at them because that's what I do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah. Even even though that's not necessarily the way I play, I can still see, like I can see that play style, and I can see why that would work. Yeah, right. And I, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, play play style in Rocket League and and like how how they all like mix together is fascinating to me because like one one player that i've always been very impressed by um is is flakes like his his play style have you ever watched him stream uh i don't think i have okay i'd be interested to see like how you would feel about because he is 
extremely possession oriented, but he really wants to like slow down the pace of play. Like he only wants to, he only wants to challenge like when it's necessary or when it creates an opportunity, like for an opponent, he, um, he hates it when people hit the ball down the field. Like he wants to have the ball in possession and like beat people on the dribble or beat people in the air. Like it's very, very interesting. Like he wants to play like actual soccer in rocket league almost not like where you're passing the ball around the outside, like with the defenders, but like it's, it's very, very slow. And it, it makes sense to me, and it's very methodical. It's very interesting. Like, he plays very calculated, uh, but at the same time... And, of course, he's just streaming and talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't necessarily adapt to his teammates either. Um, like, he he goes on and on about, like, how he plays, but then if he understands the kind of player that he's playing with or I guess I should say he just expects that other people should play his style he's not really like working along with somebody else's style I don't know I think I'm getting a little too deep for myself in in terms of like expecting <laughs> no, I mean that, that that makes sense like it, I think it's 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 sort of like the same sort of mindset where he is so defensive that he doesn't want to shift as it is for someone who is so offensive that they don't want to shift from it right it's like, like I think probably ideally like the the perfect player would have like a balance of knowing when to just maintain possession and when to just yeet well and and not even necessarily to that point or like to that extent, but I can remember Chicago doing an interview in I think the spring major, like when G2 started performing better and better with Drees. Mm-hmm. And you know, they were they were talking to him about Drees and like filling in that quote unquote Rizzo spot. And Chicago was like, you know, when when we when we had Drees start playing, you know, Drees is not the same kind of player as Rizzo. And Drees kind of started, when he started actually playing, he was trying to play like Rizzo. But me and JNAPS went to Drees, me being Chicago, not me being Tom, went yeah. to Drees and said, JNAPS and I have been playing together long enough and are good enough that we can adapt to you. Like we want you to play your play style and we will be able to play rocket league around you. Like we want you to play your game so that you feel comfortable, uh, being able to like play your game. So I think, and, and maybe that's like a professional thing, but I think like optimal Rocket League is being able to play the way that you want to play and optimizing that around the other players that you have around you. Yeah. And and that might be like some Alice in Wonderland kind of stuff where like in a perfect world, everybody plays the way that they want to play, but allows everybody else to play the way that they want to play. Well, I mean, I feel like that that's the point where you just, in order to pull that off, you just have to have an incredibly high amount of skill. 
Uh, because yeah. like for for everyone to be able to work around that, you have to be skilled enough to play different like styles at different times of the game. And like, you know, or react to different situations and whatnot. And I, I think that's really one of the biggest thing that sets like professional players apart from everyone else is they they do have that ability to continue to play at a high level, regardless of like what situation uh, or a potential team caught that they might be in. Well, and it, yeah, I think I think that really lends itself to an episode that I recorded a couple months ago with uh, Fat, who is well. Have you done any college? You've done some college. Yeah, stuff, I'm on right? the uh, I'm on the CRLB streaming. Right. So you've probably I've also have you... had an interview with uh with Fat as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like one thing that um we talked about like the the which one is more important game sense or mechanics. And I feel like, well, basically what he said is he feels that mechanics are more important than game sense. Um, and I feel like what you just said really lends itself to that because once you are good enough, then you can call on whatever you need to call on when you need to call on it. Where like I play defensively because I don't necessarily have the mechanics to do things offensively as consistently as I would like to do them. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, I think you can lean towards a more aggressive style um, just purely on the sense that you want to disrupt whatever else is going on. Yeah. And what's interesting about that as well is I, um, I don't think either is more important than the other. Um, because like, if say, like if you're the best mechanical player in the world, for instance, but your game sense is really bad, then what you're going to be, what's going to happen is you're going to be doing like, you're going to be doing these high level mechanical plays, but you're going to be doing them in the wrong spots. You're not going to be doing them at the right times. Uh, like you're going to execute on it, but the other team might like, might be able to read it or, uh, just stop it. Uh, but if you're like the best game sense in the world, but you don't have the mechanics to execute on it then you know what you need to do, where you need to be, but when you need to make the play, you don't have the ability to do so. So I, I really do think that like it, it's one of those things where you have to have both. Like you, you really need mechanics so that when you're in that position uh, to score or make a save, you're able to execute on it. But you really need the game sense so that you're able to get in that position in the first place. Yeah, and I think... Um what the the point that he was making is that game sense or excuse me mechanics can take somebody farther in terms of rank than game sense like if you're just lights out mechanically and can do whatever you want with the ball to get it to the goal you're going to be able to do a lot more than somebody that's just a smart rocket league player or a conservative mm. like tactical rocket league player I I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that because like uh, my my one example would be would be Turbopulsa like obviously very mechanical player but no one is going to like he's not going to go down as the greatest player of Rocket uh, of all time for Rocket League because he was just absolutely cracked at every shot he hit I've I, I like it's just it, it's his it's his mind game his ability to make decisions his ability to know where he needs to be know what he needs to do 
uh, in, in certain situations to make the best possible play, whether it be a pass or not passing or faking a pass and then keeping it and passing to someone else. Like it's that sort of game knowledge that he has um, and like his ability to stay calm and like articulate that while playing as to why he's been so successful. So like, I think it's a thing where you can see success whether or not you're a high mechanical player or a high game sense player, but you won't be the best unless you have a good mix of both. Yeah. And this is where I think like a, a skills challenge would be really interesting because even turbo Pulsa, as much slack as he gets for not being a good, like a, an extremely highly skilled mechanical player, like well, at the end of the still day, very mechanical, right? Yeah, exactly. 100%. So like, uh, like you don't, you don't get to SSL. You don't get to be a pro without really strong. Mechanics. It's just, he's not like, like when I think of, when I think of um, high game sense players and I, I'm going to stick in North America here just because like, I know a lot about EU, but I don't know quite as much. So my knowledge pool is a little bit uh, shallower. But for like North America, when I think of game sense players, I think of Turbo Pulsa and I think of Sipical. Because uh, I've gone back and I've watched a lot of Sipical's replays, and that man uses his right stick uh, as if like mm. he is steering his car. He is constantly looking everywhere, just constantly scanning the field, looking at where the opponents are, looking at where the ball is, just looking around. And like, you know, pro players use their right stick a lot but like not to the level that typical does it like that man is just constantly in complete and utter knowledge of what is happening on the field everywhere all the time. Um, and then turbo pulse. he just has like a sixth sense. He just sort of instinctively knows where to go and where to be. Mm-hmm. And then when I think of like really, really high level mechanical players, uh, I think of Justin and Squishy Muffins as like two players that just, you know, when they go up for something, the other team knows that there is a really high likelihood that they're going to pull it off no matter how crazy it is. They obviously both matter. Um, and, you know, there there's a reason that even quote unquote smart players are still in diamond. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so... Mm. I don't know if you if you had to say one mechanic that like or one thing that you could add to your mechanic skill to take you to the next level. Like what's the one thing that and you said shot accuracy and I feel like shot accuracy, honestly, like touch accuracy is a mechanic car control, ball control like that. It breaks down to that. But if you if you could take the time to add anything else to your resume to make you a stronger player, what do you think it would be? Uh, 100% air dribbles. Because uh, air dribbling is something that I, like, throughout all this time, I've tried learning it a couple of times, and it's just, it's something that, like, I've I've gotten a little bit better at it as time goes on, but I just, my brain has not got grasped it to the point of being able to do it consistently. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to play at the level where I like air dribbles need to be something in my arsenal mm-hmm. uh, because not having them limits the amount of possibilities for me to be able to score. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, especially with how much more in the air this game is becoming that being able to control stuff like that. That's exactly what I've been working on, especially like 
one bounce on the ground, hitting the ball up into the air and then being able to follow it like from any different angle is, is definitely where I'm at as well. Yeah. That, that ball control, man, I need to get it figured out sooner, sooner than later. Cool. It's just such a critical part. It, it really is. Yes. How are, how are your flicks? How are your dribbles and flicks? Uh, ground dribbles, I, uh, I I could definitely improve, but I, I'm like I'm happy with where they are. Uh, flicks, I've <clears throat> been able to get more consistent at a little recently. I just uh, like with my play style, I was much more of a pick up the ball in the air and just be able to accurately play it or like pick up path volleys than I was a dribble flicker. Mm. But yeah. uh, I was able to kind of look at my play and figure out what I was doing wrong, and now I'm. I, I, I am comfortable with where I'm at with dribbling and flicking. Nice. Cool. Well, great. I think uh, this would be a good place to start wrapping things up. I appreciate uh, you being willing again to, to come on and, and try this little experiment with me. Yeah. I think uh, you will have to let me know in the comments below if you are checking this out on YouTube, what you thought, because... I am intrigued to see, well, right now as we're recording it, I'm intrigued to see how it turns out. Uh, but as always, we're going to end it the same way. So, uh, Sleegy, any final thoughts for the Infinite Boost podcast listeners? Um, I would just saying that like uh, my final thought would just be if, you're, if your goal right now is to get better at Rocket League, um, the... As far as my opinion goes, having that balance between mechanics and game sense is really important. Um, and, you know, take a look at your replays. Uh, really kind of try and nail down what you're doing wrong. And if you struggle with it, try and join one of these communities. There's a lot of really talented people who uh, would love nothing more than to be able to, to help you out and help you get better. Because I can't understate enough how useful having a guide and having someone who can point things out that you never even realized where an issue is uh, to, to helping you improve your game, regardless of what level you're at, unless you're a pro, in which case, uh, I mean, you're, you're probably not trying to figure out ways to get better. You know what you need to do to get better. <laughs> nice. And then where can people find you out on the internet? Uh, so people can find me pretty much everywhere uh, that they look for Sleegy at Sleegy on Twitter is where I'm most active um, and pretty much do everything uh, Sleegy number 0001 on Discord. So like it, I, I have fortunately, since my name is unique enough, been able to to just have it on pretty much every pro, uh, every platform I use. The only one I don't funnily enough have it on is YouTube on YouTube. I'm mr sleeky because some german person back in 2007 was like yes yeah, sleeky sounds like good name i use this and <laughs> i didn't get it but everywhere else it's just sleeky nice that will be easy enough and what what uh casting or production stuff do you have coming up um so right now i'm working on the the cca summer series uh which is uh, a lot of high-level collegiate schools, which is super great, uh, especially with RLCS being in the off-season. Um, I've been running the production for Minor League Esports, which is going into its playoffs. They do all their stuff over, I think it's like, it's twitch.gg forward slash ML Esports GG. Um, and then I'm doing a couple of 
behind the scenes stuff like actually later this week i'm flying to vegas to work as a graphics operator for a PUBG event interestingly enough oh that's awesome yeah like you're even getting flown places too yeah i never thought that i would get paid to go to vegas but here we are look at you man that's awesome good for yeah. you I, I feel like the last time that we talked you know you were just starting i think it was just recently announced that you were getting the esbn thing um, yeah so that would have been that's that's actually right at almost a year ago and that that espn gig um really helped sort of launch me into being able to get more work like i think this coming up friday is the one year anniversary of that announcement awesome that's cool congratulations man that is Thank just you. a good show that uh hard work determination and and having your sights on something really uh really helps make things happen so good for you appreciate it yeah and then last but not least uh a question for the audience question for the audience hmm what if if there was one thing if there was one change that you could make uh to rocket league whether it be on the esports side whether it be a mechanic a, a change of maps anything like that what what would that change be because i'm always interested in hearing like people's ideas of like what they would do if they could just add something somewhere mm -hmm. nice okay well now uh i mean if you're listening to the podcast hit him up on twitter join the discord if you're still watching on youtube comment down below you can do that now let us know somewhere. All right. Well, thank you again, Sleeky, for doing this part two with me. I really appreciate it. It's been fun and a nice little experiment for me. Um, the timer is no longer counting up in this yeah, game. So, zeros. so I'm hoping that I can save the replay. Um, but anyways, yeah, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And as always, thank you for the boost. Yeah, not a problem.